0: Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, put apart to preach the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared mightily to be the Son of God, touching the spirit of sanctification by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship, that obedience might be given unto the faith for his name among all the Gentiles." among whom ye be also called, also the called of Jesus Christ. To all you that be at Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace be with you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is published throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve in my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you, always in my prayers, beseeching, that by some means, one time or other, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I might bestow among you some spiritual gift, that you might be strengthened. That is, that I might be comforted together with you through our mutual faith, both yours and mine. Now, my brethren, I would that ye should not be ignorant how that I have oftentimes purposed to come unto you, but have been let hitherto, that I might have some fruit also among you, as I have among the other Gentiles. I am debtor, both to the Grecians and to the barbarians, both to the wise men and to the unwise. Therefore, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you also that are at Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Grecian. For by it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Civilization as we know it began a few minutes before noon on October 31st, 1517. That claim is made by Dr. John Robbins in his book, Civilization and the Protestant Reformation, and I do believe it's true. On that day, an obscure Catholic monk in a small German town posted 95 theological issues on Facebook I'm sorry, it wasn't Facebook. It was the door of his local church. Uh, At that time, the church door was the community bulletin board, the the, uh, 16th century version of Facebook. He wanted a public discussion of these 95 issues. Why? Because he'd studied the Bible and had come to the conclusion that what his church, which is the Roman Catholic Church, taught on those issues differed from what the Bible teaches. (laughs) He wanted to point that out to his church, the Roman Catholic Church, so they would realize their errors and change. So as this monk found out, the Roman Catholic Church was not in any mood to change. Uh, In fact, uh, just like some people who, when they have no answer to an argument, instead of trying to answer the argument, they attack the person making the argument, called an ad hominem argument, attacking the man, attacking the person making the argument. Uh, they, the Pope, attacked the messenger, this obscure Catholic monk who had posted these 95 issues on the Facebook door. Well, that monk's name was unknown to the world, pretty much unknown in his own town, uh, because monks were kept to themselves. Uh, But not very long was he unknown. In his name, you know, Martin Luther. Uh, And what he did turned the world upside down, or right-side up is more accurate. It's no exaggeration to say that individual liberty and political freedom under God, constitutional representative government, free elections, the free market, uh, protection of private property, and many, many more glories of Western civilization spring from what Martin Luther did a little before noon on October 31, 1517. What caused Luther to do what he did was the way the Vatican was raising money to build St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. The Pope and his representatives were telling people that the more money they gave, the more their sins would be forgiven, both for themselves and for loved ones who were suffering in what they called purgatory. Purgatory. Now, Roman Catholicism teaches, and as I was taught as a child in the Roman Catholic faith, if you die without being a member in good standing of the Roman Catholic Church, you will go to hell. Now, today they dance around that, but actually they recently uh, uh, reaffirmed that in very nice language. Uh, they say that even if, even if you die as a faithful member of the Roman Catholic Church, you're not going to go to heaven immediately immediately. Uh, you go to a place called Purgatory. That's what they call Purgatory. And that's what Martin Luther's 95 issues, uh, which called the 95 Theses, uh, was was about, taking issue with with all of that. Uh, Don't bother looking up Purgatory in your concordance. You're not going to find it there. Uh, Neither will you find even the idea there. Uh, The doctrine of Purgatory uh, is from a book that is not part of the Bible, called the uh, apocryphal book. Uh, It's called Second Maccabees. Um, Now Catholics are taught that uh, when you die a good Catholic, you have to go to a place called purgatory to get your sins uh, burned off of you, essentially. Uh, Despite how they try to spin it, uh, it's undeniable that uh, their writers have said for centuries that purgatory and hell are exactly the same, the only difference is the extent of time you spend there. You spend forever in hell, eternity in hell, but you only spend, you know, a few thousand years, perhaps, in purgatory. A uh, famous Roman Catholic theologian made it as clear as possible. He wrote, "The flames of hell are no hotter than the flames of purgatory." So, by questioning the doctrine of purgatory, Martin Luther was questioning, and therefore undermining. Not only a key Roman Catholic doctrine, but vastly more importantly, to the Pope, he was also threatening the income of the Vatican. At this time, the Pope, as I said, was trying to build St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. If you've ever seen it, uh, it's unbelievable. It's a magnificent structure. Uh, very, very costly. Uh, in fact, there's a very interesting book called Basilica, the Splendor and the Scandal of Building St. Peter's by R.A. Scott, and a very interesting uh, book about, uh, it's, a, it's not a Christian book particularly, it's, it's just about how they built St. Peter's and uh, what the tremendous undertaking was. So what Luther was up against then was his own pope, who he still reverenced as what he calls himself Christ's vicar on earth, Christ's representative on earth. Uh, he still honored him. Uh... But what the Pope said, and through his representatives, to desperately poor people, which was pretty much all of them, if you give money to the Catholic Church, your church, many of your sins will be forgiven, and the Pope will make sure you spend less time in purgatory. In fact, the more you give, the more of your sins will be forgiven, and the less time you'll suffer in the flames of purgatory. And do you want your dead loved ones, your parents perhaps, your grandparents, uh, perhaps even a spouse or a child, to get out of the flames of purgatory. They're now suffering. Well, just give more money. I was wondered if the Pope has the power to free people from purgatory, why doesn't he just do it? Instead of asking for money. But. Uh, now, those things that you buy, these spiritual credits to get out of purgatory, if you will, are called, and they're still called, indulgences. Indulgences. Uh, when I was growing up as a member of Sacred Heart Roman Catholic Church in Moline, Illinois, uh, as a child, I didn't have money to give to the church. Uh, I was taught that I'd give certain works uh, for the church or in my own personal life, uh, in other words, training me up for the time when I would have money to give to the church, I would get a certain number of indulgences, and that would shorten my time in purgatory or other people, my loved ones or friends. Uh, So I and my parents could get to heaven faster. Now, the most infamous of the Pope's fundraisers at the time of Martin Luther was a man by the name of John Tetzel, T-E-T-Z-E-L, John Tetzel, who was a Catholic friar. And his constant spiel to raise money for the building of St. Peter's Basilica was a famous phrase, as soon as a coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. And... If you ever do go to the Vatican and and see St. Peter's, remember that it was built on the pennies of desperately poor people tricked into taking bread out of their children's mouths. Tetzel would shout to people, indulgences are the most precious and the most noble of God's gifts. Come and I will give you letters all properly sealed by which even the sins that you intend to commit may be pardoned. But more than this, Indulgences avail not only for the living but for the dead. Priests, noble, merchant, wife, youth, maiden, do you not hear your parents and your other friends who are dead and who cry from the bottom of the abyss? We are suffering horrible torments. A trifling alms will deliver us. You can give it and you will not. That's what Tetzel would say to the crowds. He said that forgiveness for witchcraft would cost two ducats, unit of money at the time. For polygamy, that cost six ducats. For murder, that cost eight ducats, etc. And the Pope and his representatives and members of the civil government, including some of the emperors, raised untold sums by telling people that God's mercy could be bought. That's the bottom line. In other words, they had the power to pay off God. From studying the Bible, Martin Luther knew what blasphemy that was. And he knew that salvation is a free gift from God. He started to learn that. You can't buy it with money. You can't buy it with good things that you do. And his 95 propositions, his 95 theses, and you should read them sometime, question all his practice of selling God's mercy, selling God's forgiveness of sins through indulgences. And the controversy that broke loose with the publication of Martin Luther's 95 theses placed even more pressure on Luther to study the Bible because the Pope and his subordinates were attacking him. So he studied the Bible more, and that convinced him that the Roman faith had lost sight of more than just uh, this purgatory stuff, uh, but lost sight of several central truths. So in Luther, the most important of these truths that he discovered in the Bible was the doctrine that brought him peace with God. It wasn't just about indulgences. He, He came to realize this truth from the Bible through tremendous agony of soul. Now, he'd been an obedient, faithful monk. He was faithful to Rome. He did good works to earn God's favor. Um, he had didn't have peace with God. He devoted himself to long fastings. Uh, he writes that he spent hours in prayer on his knees and he went on very difficult pilgrimages of foreign lands. He even whipped himself to be more Christ-like. You see, he was ta- told that being Christ-like means you have to suffer as he did physically. Uh, and what the other monks marveled at was that Luther was in constant confession of his sins. He'd constantly go to his confessor, which was another priest, and confessing his sins and receiving absolution and penances that he had to do to be absolved of his sins. But the more he tried to do for God, the more he became aware from, from his, for his sinfulness. He would go to confession, and he'd, he'd leave, and he'd be back in a few minutes. And his confessor said, what are you doing back here? He said, well, I had an impure thought as I was leaving. So I have to confess it to get it off my, and he was going, you know, this is driving him, driving him crazy in some ways. So Luther was trying to answer for himself the question that people have struggled with since the fall of Adam and Eve. See, the more he tried to do for God, the more aware he became of his sinfulness. And people have asked, how can I be right with God? I, I don't live perfectly. How can I please God when the Bible says you have to live perfectly? Um. Uh, Luther was tormented by realizing that by studying the Bible, knowing more and more the mind of Christ, that he himself sinned all the time, that he could never live as he should, that is, perfectly as Christ commanded. Uh, Please look at Matthew chapter 5. The fifth chapter of Matthew. Let's begin in verse... 43. The Lord Jesus Christ says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For you, if ye love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which in heaven is perfect. And of course, Luther read that, and we say, how can I be perfect? Jesus Christ commands us to be perfect. How can I be perfect? He doesn't say well, you know, do the best you can. That'll be fine with your Father in heaven. Uh, He doesn't say, well, as long as you say to him, when you die, Father, I tried my best, then he'll let you into heaven. No. Christ didn't say that. He said, be perfect. Luther said, how can I live, how can I be perfect? How can I live with all this sin on my mind until he was perfect? in perpetual torment until he read Romans 1.17. That became his life verse. Romans one verse seventeen: The just shall live by faith. He realized that he and we are to live every day by faith in Christ. That is not hoping to earn God's favor by the good things that we do, not trying to live that way, That puts you in constant torment, that you're not doing enough to please him. No, the Bible teaches that you are justified by faith apart from these good things that you do. Not that you're not to do good things, but those good things come after you're saved, and you don't do them to earn points with God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Luther knew that the Bible teaches that salvation comes through the righteousness of Christ alone, through faith in him alone. And he said if theologians, theologians rather, said otherwise, if church councils said otherwise, if popes said otherwise, Luther said the Bible plainly teaches they are wrong. When he was called before a church council called the Diet of Worms. Uh, he was called to recant his teachings, and he said, uh, Here I stand. I I I cannot recant. Uh, I can here I stand, I can do no other. I cannot, I will not recant. And he knew by saying that he could be killed. Well, you didn't. Oppose the church, especially if you're a Catholic monk, if you valued your your job, your income, uh, if you valued your freedom, and if you valued your life. You just don't say that. So Luther knew that Rome, by teaching that salvation could be bought with money and good works, was sending people to hell. They weren't presenting faith in Christ alone. So Rome knew that if people believed Luther, their source of great wealth would dry up so Luther was condemned. So he began to write books to translate the Bible into the common language, which had never been done before. People couldn't read the Bible. Uh, In fact, it was locked up in his his, uh, monastery, and it was chained to the wall. And for him to read it, he had to go and read it while it was chained to the wall. Uh, And it was in Latin, so only scholars could read it, and most of them didn't care about it. so he decided to translate it into German for his country. What happened? Well, the Roman Catholic Church and the civil government, which was uh, much of it was in the pocket of Rome, it was Germany wasn't one country as it is today. It was uh, little fiefdoms basically. But some of the civil rulers put him on trial. Uh, that is the Catholic rulers, and ordered him to retract his teachings. Uh, Luther knew that refusing to retract his teachings would mean horrible consequences. He could be defrocked as a monk, as I said, could be excommunicated from the Catholic Church. What what, what big deal, excommunicated from the Catholic Church? Well, that meant he couldn't legally be married. Uh, His children in the eyes of the Church would be illegitimate, and the eyes of everybody else at the time would be illegitimate. He couldn't attend church or receive communion. He would be shunned by the community. He would not be given a Christian burial. His property would be confiscated by the Roman Catholic Church. That's what excommunication meant. Uh, It could mean he would go to jail, and it could mean he would be executed. He knew that. But when the Pope insisted he recant his famous words that ring down the corridors of time, I quoted them briefly a moment ago. Here is exactly what he said. Unless I am convinced by proofs from scriptures or by plain and clear reasons and arguments, I cannot and will not retract for it is neither safe nor wise to do anything against conscience. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Amen. <clears throat> Amazingly, he was let go. Uh, told never to write up again. Shut up and we'll let you go. But he was condemned there. And there's a long story about how he's protected by his patron, the German elector, and that when he had the opportunity to do, do a lot of writing after that, uh, and they could never get, get Luther after that. The Lord protected him. And by translating the Bible so that anyone could read it in Germany, he freed the German people from the tyranny of Rome. They could now compare what the priests said to what God said and see how far Rome had strayed from the truth of the Bible. So the idea that the Bible is the written constitution of the church, limiting the power and the authority of church leaders, that idea carried over into this new idea that a nation could have a written constitution limiting the powers of the rulers. Until the founding of the United States, see, no nation had had a written constitution that meant much of anything, one that limited the power and authority of the nation's leaders. There's a direct connection of the Reformation, which is what Luther ignited. There's a direct connection of the Protestant Reformation principle of sola scriptura, which is Latin for the scripture alone and the American idea of the written constitution as the supreme law of the nation. Just as the Bible is the supreme law of the church, the national constitution is the supreme law under God, of course, uh, of the the civil laws of the nation. So Luther argued that Christians were free from the arbitrary control of either the church or the state uh, when either acted against God's words. So when the state, the civil government, or the church acts against God's word, Christians are free from that control of the state. Uh, Luther wrote, quote, It is with the word, the Bible, that we must fight. By the word must we overthrow and destroy what has been set up by violence. I will not make use of force against against the superstitious and unbelieving. No one must be constrained. Liberty is the very essence of faith. I will preach, discuss, and write, but I will constrain none, for faith is a voluntary act. I have stood up against the Pope, indulgences, and papists, but without, papists was the old term for Catholics, but without violence or tumult. I put forward God's word. I preached and wrote. This was all I did. The word alone did all. If I had wished to appeal to force, the whole of Germany would perhaps have been deluged with blood, unquote from Martin Luther. See, democracy... Uh, well, frankly, it's not democracy. Representative government, constitutionalism, and a republican government with a small R—Republic—we're a republic, not a democracy. Religious liberty—all uh, of this was some of the social consequences of what Luther started. Uh, political liberty, freedoms, private property—all these things were not only social consequences of the Reformation, of the Protestant Reformation. They were beginning. They were beginning of a of a. Uh, restoration or a revolution that has implications for us centuries later. Uh, and a story named Harold Berman wrote, from Emory University, of Lee, wrote, quote, the key to the renewal of law in the West from the 16th century on was the Protestant concept of the power of the individual by God's grace to change nature and to change new social relations through the exercise of his will. The Protestant concept of the individual became central to the development of the modern law of property and contract. Can you read that again. The Protestant concept of the individual became central to the development of the modern law of property and contract. What he's saying, it's the Protestant idea, which comes from the, directly from the Bible, that the culture can be changed. This was a revolutionary idea. Before, people thought of themselves as slaves to the church and to the civil government. They had no power to make any changes. They didn't have God's word, for one thing. They believed whatever the priests and what their civil government uh, masters told them. But that all changed after the Reformation. So this idea, uh, with Luther's idea that all callings are in all labor, this idea segued with Luther's idea that all callings, all, all things that we do, all labor, all work, not just the labor of monks and nuns and priests, could be done to the glory of God. See, all vocations, all occupations could be done to the glory of God. Luther made that very clear. That was a revolutionary idea. That led to the development of the free market economy. A free society and a free market were the political and the economic expressions of the religious idea of the Reformation. Free market capitalism was the outgrowth of which biblical Christianity was the theory. Just let me spend a moment on John Calvin to bring him into it. He's a little younger than Luther. He took the Bible and he organized, what's the difference between Luther and Calvin? Calvin was the real scholar. He took the Bible and organized its teachings. Uh, Say you want to know what the Bible teaches about salvation uh, or heaven. Where do you look? See, it's not organized that way. Calvin simply took the Bible, organized it into topics, and explained it. And that's what Calvinism really is. That's all it is. Some people disagree with some of Calvin's emphasis on the sovereignty of God. so it's a disagreement over emphasis. Uh, but that's what that's what Calvin did. He systematized the Bible. So people could look up and say, well what does it have to, what does it say about this? Oh, okay. The 17th century Calvinism, built on Martin Luther, laid the foundations for both English and American civil rights and liberties. Freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of religion, privilege against self-incrimination, jurisprudence, the independence of juries, habeas corpus, all of our liberties. The 19th century German historian Leopold von Ranke referred to Calvin as, quote, the virtual founder of America. He says, quote, if I were to be asked who is the founder of America, many people would say, excuse me, he says, if they were to be asked who is the founder of America, many people would say George Washington, Thomas Jefferson. He writes, I think John Calvin is the founder of America. Max Weber, the famous German sociologist, wrote a book in 1905 called The Protestant Ethic and the Spirit of Capitalism, still studied in colleges today in which he said that capitalism emerged in Protestant countries. Now prove that to yourself. Look at a map of the world. Which are the countries that have the most vigorous economies and historically what's been their religion? Now we've had recently some changes like China, uh, but historically that's always been Protestantism. The Catholic countries have pretty much more abundant economies, you know, pretty stagnant economies. Not in every case, not in every year, but overall that's been the history. Max Weber also wrote, Capitalism historically emerged in Protestant countries because Protestantism, or call it a short-term biblicalism, inculcated those virtues that led to the development of capitalism, hard work, honesty, frugality, thrift, punctuality. And these virtues, coupled with the idea that a calling is done to God's glory, let us work hardly as for God rather than for men, or heartily rather, for God rather than for men, provided the impetus which ended serfdom, ended the feudal system, and established a free political and economic order. So the theology and values of the Bible, rediscovered by the Protestant reformers, Luther, Calvin, and many others, were the principal ideas that called our forefathers back to the Bible in creating what we know as Western civilization. Luther didn't go out to say, I'm going to start a new civilization, Uh, His point, what he wanted to do was proclaim the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. So his life was dedicated to a far more important activity than building an earthly city. Western civilization was an unintended consequence, a byproduct of his faithfulness to the Bible. The Reformation put the kingdom of God first, not the kingdom of man or the kingdom of the church. The results were just as Christ said they would be. Would you turn to Matthew 6:25, please? These are the results of the Protestant Reformation. Christ said, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink; nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And that's what Luther did. He sought first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He didn't try to change things through the political system. And what happened to our world? All these things were added unto it. All of our economic freedoms, our political freedoms, Western civilization was added to it because one man sought first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Justification by faith. The righteousness of God imputed to sinners. Justification by faith is the only foundation of eternal salvation and the only foundation of biblical, earthly civilization, of western civilization. Reformers sought first the kingdom of God, and all these things, the things that we enjoy so much in our society, were added to them and to us. Let's pray. Father, indeed, we we thank Thee, Lord, for the Blessings of what has come out of what Martin Luther did and what our forefathers did and those before them. Father, John Wycliffe and and Huss and Jerome of Prague and the Waldensians and all of the pre-reformers, the proto-reformers, and those who came during Luther's time, Calvin and Zwingli and Bucer and many more, and all the others who have come later to the church, Father, thou hast kept thy remnant alive. Thou hast grown thy church, and we thank thee today, Father, for we would not know what to do. Father, we could be living in feudalism were it not for the fact that thou brought these men and women to revive the teaching of the scriptures. So we thank thee, Father, for such great salvation. We pray these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.